0: Welcome back to the program. This is Fundamentally Mormon on Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter, walter and we're going to be getting right into Chapter 17 of United Order, A House in Order, pages 252 through 271. Uh, this is the second to last chapter of this book, and then we're going to be getting into the next book, which will be Revelations That Were Received by wilford woodruff and john taylor between 1880 and 1890 that do not include the manifesto because the manifesto actually was never received as a revelation it was written down by charles penrose who had admitted to writing it and uh, they never actually produced the revelation to the church which they're supposed to do and we'll talk about that Uh, But uh, today's program is going to be a house in order, and then tomorrow's program is going to be the conclusion, chapter 18 of United Order. But today we're going to be on pages 252 through 271, and we're going to get right into the reading today. So here we go. The Almighty is a lover of order and good government. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 187. The house of Jacob, or Israel, became out of order when the eleven sons of Jacob refused to acknowledge Joseph as the rightful heir to rule as their leader. The descendants of Joseph have had a difficult time to regain their rightful place as rulers ever since. Jesus came through the lineage of Jacob and was told to reign over the house of Jacob forever. Luke chapter 1, verse 33. Jesus understood the problem, the problems and conflicts in Jacob's house and said, If a house be divided against itself, it cannot stand. Mark chapter 3, verse 25. Also, there was the influence of filthy lucre, which... He denounced by saying, My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Mark chapter 11, verse 17. Indicating that the house of Jacob was still out of order during his ministry. This was certainly evident when the Jews rejected Jesus Christ and his right to rule. But the prophecies of apostasy were not without the promise of a setting in order. Paul, the apostle, reiterated the prophecy of Jeremiah when he said in this, on page 253 at 4%, Behold, the day cometh, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Yaakov, or Jacob not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they continued not my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws, my Torah, into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God or an Elohim, which is what it says in the Hebrew. And they shall be to me a people, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know, know the Lord or know Yehovah your Elohim. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Hebrew chapter, Hebrews chapter eight, verses eight through eleven, which that was Paul quoting Jeremiah chapter thirty-one, verse thirty-one. This prophecy has not yet been fulfilled, but when it is, the house of Jehovah our Elohim or God will be in the in order. In the order that was promised to Joseph of Old, Joseph of Old. The early Christian church was never totally obedient to the laws of God. Brigham Young said that it was uh, through the weakness in the lives of the apostles, many were caused to err. Our historians and ministers tell us the church went into the wilderness, but they were in the wilderness all the time. They had the way marked out to get out of the wilderness and go straight forward into the kingdom of God, but they but they took various paths. Journal of Discourses, Volume 12, page 66, or on page 254 at 9%. Peter recognized the calamity of the disorder that had come upon the house of God and prophesied, quote, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. Those that obey not the gospel of God are called apostates, rather than those who never had the gospel. The Prophet Joseph Smith explained this interpretation in the Lord's parable of the sower, that he had aden- identified the wheat and the tares as members, as members and apostates of the Church of uh, and Kingdom. Let's see here. And there's also a revelation in the Doctrine and Covenants that actually is pretty much the same revelation that Peter had, but hold on, let me see if I can find this for you. Actually, we'll just read this quote by Joseph Smith. We learned by this parable not only the setting up of the kingdom in the days of the Savior, which is represented by the good seed, which produced fruit, but also the corruptions of the church, which are represented by the terrors, which were sown by the enemy, which... His disciples would fain have plucked up or cleansed the church of, cleansed the church of, if their views had been favored by the Savior, but he, knowing all things, says not so. As much as to say, you've, your views are not correct. The church is in its infancy, and if you take this rash step, you will destroy the wheat. Or the church with the tares. Therefore, it is better to let the, them grow up together until the harvest or the end of the world, which means the destruction of the wicked, which is not yet fulfilled, as we shall show hereafter in the Savior's explanation of the parable, which is so plain that there is no room left to uh, for I don't know what this word is, dubiety of mind. I think that's a double mind. But that's anyway, that's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 98. And one thing that I want to say before we continue on with the reading we will be on page 255 at 14%. The wheat and the tares, they all think they're wheat. People get on these like outlandish ideas of what truth is. And they just run amok with it. They don't. They don't get revelation for themselves, or they don't know how to get revelation, or they think that they do get revelation, and it's not revelation from God. It's revelation from the adversary. You know, it's it's uh, it's sad, and I I I am seeing it uh, in the church, and I'm seeing it in groups that are breaking off from the church. You know, and they teach these these true doctrines and they teach these false doctrines and they mingle it all up together and it's the doctrines of men mingled with scripture and it's disgusting and these these people who think that they're that they are wheat and that they're going on this righteous journey and they're you know doing everything right you know I try to tell them you guys need to read these scriptures better this is not saying what you're saying it says, and I'm specifically speaking of two different groups, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what the names are right now. But but if they listen to this program and they know what I'm talking about, they should know who they are. But um, one of the groups, actually two of the groups, talk about Section 124 a lot, and they. Uh, they say that Jesus Christ took the Melchizedek priesthood away from the church and that the church at the Isaac Morley farm was demoted to the um, to a lower level of the priesthood because uh, they can't show a revelation where that actually happened. Oh, they can talk about it all they want, but they can't actually show that thus saith the Lord of Revelation. All they can do is twist section 124 out of order and uh, because section 124 has Jesus talking to Joseph Smith about the fullness of the priesthood they say oh that means that Jesus took it away and the fullness of the priesthood is the Melchizedek priesthood but it's not Jesus clearly says in section 124 build a temple build a house in my name in whose name? in Jesus' name Whereby the Most High can come dwell therein, that he... Now, who's talking? It's Jesus Christ speaking to Joseph Smith. He's not saying that I might come and restore that which was lost unto you, even the fullness of the priesthood. He's saying that you, or that he, I'm sorry, that he, a third person, who is called the Most High... Can restore the fullness of the priesthood. Now, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14, clearly speaks of the two anointed ones or the two Mashiachs of God and the Lord of the whole earth who is the Father. Jesus in section 124 is telling Joseph Smith to build a temple whereby the Most High, who is the Father, can come restore that which was lost unto you, or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. Now, they'll say the fullness of the priesthood is the Melchizedek priesthood. But the Father cannot come restore the fullness of the priesthood if that's the Melchizedek priesthood, because you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to come into the presence of the Father. It's something more. The fullness of the priesthood is something that you receive. So you receive the laying on of hands for the Melchizedek priesthood, and then you have it sealed upon you by the Father himself. That's the fullness of the priesthood. And the saints were not obedient. They never finished the temple in Nauvoo, so they never received the fullness of the priesthood. And all the things that Jesus said would happen if they did finish the temple, none of that ever happened. And don't tell me it was restored in the red brick store because Jesus said that it needed to be restored in the temple by the Most High, not by Joseph Smith giving an endowment. And anyway, the endowment's preparatory. It's, it's to prepare you to receive the real endowment, which is an endowment of power. So, But anyway, going back... Uh, These people teach that the, the Melchizedek priesthood was taken off the earth and the church was rejected. Now, Jesus in section 124 does say if they don't do what he says, he will reject them as a church with their dead. And all the stuff that he said would happen if they were rejected is actually what happened. And everything that he said would happen if they were accepted and they were obedient, none of that stuff happened. So Jesus Christ told them they would be rejected, and you know what? The Father did reject them. The Father rejected them. Now, in 3 Nephi, it talks about the church of the Father. That's what that's talking about. Jesus Christ still accepted them for the preparatory uh, gospel, but, but they had the Melchizedek priesthood. They continue to have it. That was never taken away from them, regardless of, of what Denver Snuffer or, I'll just name drop, Phil Davis says. And, you know, I've tried to talk to both of these men and all they do is ignore me over the whole situation. Um, but but um, they're trying to move on in this movement against the LDS church saying the church was rejected. And I agree with them in that, but I do not agree with them that the Melchizedek priesthood was taken off the earth. And, um, well, one of the groups claims that Joseph Smith's gonna come back, and that oh, and then the other thing they're doing right now is they're making a movie because they did forensics ballistic investigations about muzzle balls being shot into Hiram's head and just a whole bunch of other stuff, and it couldn't have been pepper shot and it couldn't have been a ball, and it couldn't because his head would have blown off, and this means for some reason that Brigham Young killed him, and even though Brigham Young was in New England, not in Nauvoo or Carthage, Illinois, when Joseph died, you know, and it's just it's just stupid. Now, I used to have a huge problem with Brigham Young because I found out some things that he did, which I do not like, and I started to have a, a you know, a huge problem with Brigham Young, and God told me basically to lay off Brigham Young that he was his servant, that uh, he was not the Lord's anointed, but he was his servant, and he did the best that he could with a wicked and disobedient uh, saints that went into the wilderness and all of that. So I'm not going to throw Brigham Young under the bus like these other people, like Denver Snuffer and Phil Davis do, because I've gotten correction from God on the matter, but... I'm also not going to say that Brigham Young was the Lord's anointed because he wasn't. Now, you can receive revelation and you can be a man or a woman or a child and be a prophesier and revelator because God is the one who chooses who God chooses. Samuel was nine years old when God cho- chose him to be a prophesier and revelator and he was not the leader of the church so don't give me your crap about how there can only be one prophet seer and revelator or 15 you know the first presidency and the quorum of the 12 but um god's the one that chooses his prophets seers and revelators and it, it may not be who you think it is they might not even be a member of the lds church But as far as being the Lord's anointed, Joseph Smith, as far as I'm concerned, was the last one before myself. And yeah, I do claim to be the Lord's anointed because the father actually did anoint me on my head when I saw him face to face in 2003. So um, I don't know what to tell you about that. It is what it is, even though most people completely reject this. But anyway, um, so let's get back into the reading. So we're on page 255 at 14%. In 1846, after the death of the prophet Joseph Smith, many apostates and lukewarm lukewarm Mormons were causing trouble in the church. Orson Hyde became very grieved because of the false pretenses that were causing so many to be led astray. After praying one morning about this condition he received the following revelation quote evil men ambitious of power must needs arise among you and they shall be led by their own self will and not by me yet they will they are instruments in my own in my hands and are permitted to try my people and to Collect from among them those who are not the elect. such are not unworthy of eternal life, or, or I'm sorry, such are unworthy of eternal life. so so there's Judas goats that God raises up and and he uses the wicked uh, for his own purposes, right? so they they write they raise up among the wheat and they cause the tares to go astray and their Judas goats and their tools in God's hands even though they are you know they're wicked as all get out but God uses them anyway continuing with the revelation grieve not after them neither mourn nor be alarmed my people know my voice and also the voice of my spirit and a stranger they will not follow therefore as follow strangers are not my people and that is a revelation that Orson the Hyde received, and we only know about it because of Fred Collier, who printed a book called *Unpublished Revelations*, and that was part 65, page 104. Now, Fred Collier is interesting; is an interesting fellow. Um, he used to be in the church archives, and he would find these revelations, and then he would. Take copies of the revelations, and I don't know if he wrote it down or what he did, but I know part of the story, which is that he would go to the bathroom smuggling these, uh, these revelations out of the church. Now, the church doesn't want you to know about them because they're trying to control the narrative, right? And he would pass them through the window in the bathroom to an individual outside of the church archives, and, um, they would take them and I guess they would write them down outside or something anyway, that then they would pass them back through and he'd put them back where he found them. So we've got a ton of these unpublished revelations. Now, if you want to know about how to possibly buy a copy of Fred Collier's book, you might be able to do that. You might be able to talk to Kevin Kraut, which you can find his inf- contact information at OgdenKraut.com. Um, But I think Fred is down in Mexico, but he could be back up in the United States. But anyway, you can find his books. And I think he has them on the Internet, too, but I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's get back into the revelation or, well, into the reading anyway. The wheat and the tares have been growing in the church ever since. Both are reaching their maturity both dwelling in the house in a house which is out of order. The tr- the prophet Jeremiah or Jeremiah described a situation that existed when the house of God is out of order, whether it occurs in His own day, Christ's dispensation, or in the latter days. He said, quote, "Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of My pasture," saith the Lord. Mine heart. Within me is broke because of the prophets. All my bones shake. Or on page 256 at 17%. Both the prophet and the priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain they speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. For who hath set, uh, stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? The angel of Jehovah shall not return until he hath has executed, until he hath have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, ye shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesy. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doing. Because prophets try to teach people how to do things correctly and try to get people to repent. But these prophets who speak smooth things to you, they don't try to correct you. Uh, They want to speak smooth things to you so that you love them and follow them and give give them power basically by your obedience to them. But they do not care anything about what God is doing or what God's word is or the redemption of Zion or anything else. I have heard what the prophets said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of deceit of their own heart. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith Jehovah your Elohim, that use their tongues and say, he saith. And that's Jeremiah chapter 23 that talks about that between verses 1 through 31, or on page 257. The prophet Joseph Smith explained these false prophets always arise when people send true prophets. Quote, when a man goes about prophesying and commands men to obey his teachings, he must either be a true or a false prophet. False prophets always arise to oppose the true prophets and they pro- they will prophesy so near very near the truth that they will deceive almost the very chosen ones. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 365. Now, I was talking to Kevin a couple months ago, Kevin Kraut. And actually, it was probably more like four or five, maybe even six months ago. And I was kind of ranting to him about section 124 and how I've like tried to tell Phil Davis and Denver Snuffer, like, you guys are leading these people astray with this whole, uh, you know, Melchizedek priesthood being taken away from the earth. And I know that God didn't do that because in order to be in the father's presence, you actually have to have the Melchizedek priesthood. And... Uh, in 95, I was in the presence of the Father in the Spirit, in the uh, Holy of Holies of the Father in the northeast, well, it's in the uh, the east tower of the Salt Lake City Temple, the middle tower. And uh, God told me actually in that place that I would be his prophet when he returned, when Jesus returned which at the time I was baptized and I was very confused by that but the the holy spirit was so so strong the power of god's love was overwhelming in that place and I didn't even know what to think cuz like I was completely anti Mormon at the time but then in 90 well in 2003 I was actually caught up to the mountain of the house of of the lord which is in the top of mount Vashel, on the city of e or the city of well i don't know what you call it it's the city of enoch but it's not in the city of enoch it's outside of the city of enoch and it is upon the landmass that was taken when enoch and his city were taken away from the earth and there's a mountain and on top of that mountain which is called mount vashel is the house of of the father and i went in that house i was taken up in the flesh And I saw the Father face to face, and I embraced Him, and I saw Jesus Christ face to face, and I embraced Him as well. And in order for that to have happened, I had to have the Melchizedek priesthood. So this whole crap about, you know, about Jesus somehow taking the Melchizedek—it's just—it's a twisting and a lie of the devil about. Uh, True Revelation, which is section 124. But Denver Snuffer and um, Phil Davis want to go along this route because they are Judas goats. And they drive me insane, but God tells me that, you know what, people, you know, he's going to use them to sell the wheat. They can either come out and be part of the setting in order. But Satan, when God raised me up, he raised up Denver Snuffer almost the exact same time. And he's raising up other individuals who are Judas goats, who are leading people astray with false information, who will not repent. Who have, I have tried to set straight and they just, they don't listen, right? So um, they're Judas goats. And they oppose the truth, and they will not be set in order, and they do their best to lead people astray from true doctrine, and they're doing a good job of it. So, when Isaiah talked about his vision of seeing the remnant, there was a very few that were actually the remnant of the house of God that would redeem Zion. It's not going to be a big Organization. It's not going to be a big church. It's not going to be a lot of people. It's going to be a very few people who God uses to do His work, just like He did with uh, with Noah's Ark and um, Noah 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 and his three sons and then their wives, right? So eight people all all together. And these Judas goats, they lead people astray, and they don't even realize that they're doing it. They think that they're so right. You know but in second thessalonians chapter 2 we we see that there's a principle that um well let me see if i can find it here for you hold on okay we're going to read uh, the first part of this chapter which prophecy is being fulfilled at this time but there's a principle i also want you to glean from this revelation so we'll be in second uh, thessalonians chapter 2 and this is paul speaking to the Thessalonians now we beseech you brethren by the by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering unto him that ye be not so soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of the lord is at hand let no man deceive you by any means For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, he's speaking of the day of the Lord, which has not happened yet. He's saying that there is a time which will come first, which will be the falling away and that a man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, in order to become a son of perdition, you have to be a a prophet. You have to have had the truth given to you, and you have to fall from that in order to become a son of perdition. I could become a son of perdition. A lot of people out there probably can't become sons of perdition, uh, which is good for you, not for me. If I fall, I can become a son of perdition. Anyway, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped so that he as God Sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this is before, just before the day of the Lord, which has not happened yet. So this individual who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God, so he lifts himself up to be worshipped like God is, and he sits in the temple of God, showing them himself that he is God. In the last days, he sits in the temple of God, not in a fake temple. In a dedicated temple in Salt Lake City, Utah, there is a man who is a son of perdition, who lifts himself up and he wants you to worship him. He wants you to believe that he cannot lead you astray. And he's the greatest Judas God of them all. And people will call him a prophet of God. And they will say that he cannot lead us astray because he sits in the temple above all that is called of God. That's a president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in a temple, which is not his, but he sits in that temple And issues commands as a son of perdition. But most people will call him a true prophet. Verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his his time. Because that hasn't happened yet when Paul writes to the Thessalonians at that time. And verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Now, iniquity means when God gives you a correct path to follow. For instance, when he gives you instructions on how to live a united order and you don't follow that, you depart from the path. That's what iniquity is. For the mystery mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy at the brightness of his coming. Now, this has reference to Doctrine and Covenants section 85, because in Doctrine and Covenants section 85, it talks about Jesus says, I will have I will send one mighty and strong holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering to set in order the house of God while that man who was called and appointed speaking of the son of perdition is destroyed by by the vivid shaft of lightning that is a president of the church who you follow as a son of, who is a son of perdition who you proclaim to be a prophet of God who leads the people in iniquity or leads them astray from the truth of Zion's redemption verse 9 even him whose coming is after the working of satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish it's talking about those who follow him who believe that he is a prophet seer and revelator but he is a son of perdition and they hold him up as a prophet who cannot lead them astray even though he leads them in iniquity away from the truth. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Because they don't care about the truth. They only care about their culture. Their their club that they have as Mormons. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they lift themselves up in the pride of their, heart, their hearts. Because... They are the one true church. But they are being led in unrighteousness because they do not love the truth of the restoration that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, the, the principle is that when you do not love the truth and you make excuses as to what God has commanded us to do as a people... You don't love the truth, and God gives you strong delusion that they you might believe the lie of the iniquity. That This is verse 12. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So um, let me get to uh, the scripture that goes with this, which is actually in the Doctrine and Covenants. It's section 85, starting with verse 7. And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, or Jehovah your Elohim, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, so he is given the keys of the kingdom. And he comes from outside of the church, by the way. God will send him to the people, right? And he's clothed with light for a covering whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowels shall be a fountain of truth to set in order the house of God, which implies that it would get out of order. Now, this is this is a revelation given to Joseph Smith. To arrange by lot the inheritance of the saints whose names are found in the names of their fathers and their children enrolled in the book. Of the law of God. Now, here's the point I want I want to make. This goes along with Second Thessalonians. It's talking about the the man of sin, the the son of perdition. While that man who was called of God and appointed, he's not. He is a steward over the church, and he was called of God. But he ste- he putteth forth his hand to study the ark of God he shall fall by the shaft of death like a tree that is smitten by the vivid shaft of lightning. So, but who is this one mighty and strong? Real quick, we'll go to the Old Testament and we'll go to the book of Isaiah. And we'll go to chapter 28 where it actually talks about this one mighty and strong and it talks about the drunkards of Ephraim who are led astray by the by the son of perdition and the false prophets who lead in iniquity. This is Isaiah chapter 28. Woe to the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim. And what are they drunk on? They're drunk on the spirit of Babylon the great. And they think that they are the chosen people of God. But in their iniquity, God rejects them. Anyway, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, because they were born in the restoration, but they slowly give up the true principles of the restoration and Zion's redemption over time, so they become a fading flower, which are at the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one. It's talking about the one mighty and strong. Which, as a tempest of hell and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overthrowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand. So, the sign of the coming of the, of the one mighty and strong is waves heaving themselves beyond their bound, which was fulfilled in 2004 with the Indonesian earthquake, which is right, that happened right after I was called up to Mount Vashal and saw the Father and the Son face to face. Verse 3, the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valleys shall be as a fading flower and as a hasty fruit before the summer, which when he looketh upon it, seeth while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. And in that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty, and to the residue of his, of his people because he's sending his his servant his second witness to the drunkards of Ephraim but they don't they don't realize this and that also goes along with section 105 in the doctrine and covenants where he talks about redeeming Zion and it uh, it won't be like in the days of old where his angel went before him but also his presence goes before the people that's because the second witness of the Father or God, the testator, is among you, speaking to you. Joseph Smith taught that, that God, the witness, or the Holy Ghost would come and take a body to do the same or similar things that Jesus did. And the true title of the Holy Ghost or the Raqqa Kodesh is God, the testator, or God, the witness. And he's spoken of in Revelations chapter 11, um, the two witnesses. Well, one of them is God the witness that comes to do the same or similar things uh, among the Jews as He, as Jesus did. And among the Ephraimites, you know, because he's Messiah ben Joseph. And that is not Joseph Smith, by the way, I'm sorry. Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite. The Davidic servant is part from Ephraim and part from Judah. And Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite. So, anyway, in that day shall the Lord of hosts be be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. The residue is the few that actually follow the one mighty and strong. They're not the masses of Ephraim. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, for strength to them that shall turn to the battle gate. These people who follow the one mighty and strong, who is the Davidic servant, who is Messiah Ben Joseph, he's the one that sits in judgment. But the drunkards of Ephraim, but they have also they also have erred through wine and through strong drink, or out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. And are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision and they stumble in judgment. The strong drink that that Isaiah is speaking of. Is a metaphor for being drunk on the spirit of Babylon the great. For all their tables are full of vomit and filthiness. So there is no place clean. Because they reject the meat of the gospel given to to them. uh, As part of the restoration on the earth. And is needed for Zion's redemption. They just reject the meat of the gospel. They say, oh, this isn't important for us. You know, and that's the United Order, Plural Celestial Marriage, the Law of Adoption, uh, Consecration, the Council of Fifty. They just reject over and over and over and they speak smooth things to you. And they are drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great. They want you to get into your businesses and make money so that you can send them money for tithing you know but um but they look upon the meat of the gospel as filth and vomit for all their tables are full of vomit and filthiness so there is no place clean and then the one mighty and strong says in verse 9 whom shall he teach knowledge art god says that but this is talking about the one mighty and strong and whom shall he make to understand doctrine them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, people who are ready to hear and learn of the meat of the gospel, not only to hear but to obey and do the Shema. You must hear him who is sent to you and obey him that gives you the word of God. That's the Shema. And the people that he goes among, the drunkards of Ephraim, and he teaches they who are weaned from the milk. And drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to his people. So people will say, this is different than what we've heard before. And he might not speak the greatest, but we're going to listen to him, but he will speak to his people and he will teach them line upon line, precept upon precept over the course of years. He will continue to teach the people and eventually people will get it. You know, I, I remember um, I was talking to my aunt one time who received a revelation. Uh, God was trying to tell me who I was back in 2012. And I was like, nope. I mean, I know I'd have the experiences that I had had, but I was not aware of who exactly I was at first. I knew that God was going to call me as a prophet because of what happened where I was caught up to the Holy of Holies in uh, 1995. But I didn't understand how that was going to happen, and I didn't understand why. But um, in 2012, God tried to reveal to me that I was one mighty and strong. And I was like, nope. And um, my aunt received a revelation and she kept telling me, you're the one mighty and strong. And I was like, uh, no, that's crazy. And even my wife, Kim, and I would joke about, yeah, that's nuts. I'm not the one mighty and strong. But um God revealed it to my aunt because I was just rejecting it. I was like, "Nope, that's that's a that is a revelation from the devil," and I'm not even going to listen to it until the point where I was uh, weeping before the Lord, and He commanded me to kneel down before Him, and He said, "Ask me who you are," and I said, "Father, who am I?" After I was broken down, and He showed me a vision of the preexistence where He showed um a platform in front of a large group of people huge the host of heaven and in front of the uh these three individuals who were God the witness or God the the creator God the redeemer and God the witness Who was the father the son and the holy ghost for this earth cuz there's uh, a, there are, I don't want to get into that but anyway but there were 12 who were before them who were mighty and strong and I saw that Lucifer Or Hillel was the name of God, the witness, who is the bearer of light and truth. And he rebelled against the father and the son and started the war in heaven. And he was thrown. He had his office stripped from him and he became Satan, or the accuser of the brethren, which he was. And so isn't that crazy? Like. That he was who he was, and I know that sounds nuts to most people, but it is the truth. It's what God showed me. And God showed me that he, uh, the Father and the Son, went among the mighty and strong ones who were left, who were about half of them, because the other ones fell with with Lucifer when he became Satan. They were cast out with him. And I was the one chosen from the quorum of of the mighty and strong ones to take the place of of the witness. That's why I have seen the Father and the Son. That's why the Father Himself has laid His hands on my head to commence the work of the Father, and that's why I am the witness that I claim to be, and also one mighty and strong. And um, it was interesting because uh, I I had this individual who was a friend of my aunt's, and she would tell him things about me and he would be on the program, the kingdom of God or nothing, which was my old radio show that I started back in 2014. And one day he was listening and the spirit became really strong and my aunt could feel it, but it wasn't upon her, but she could still feel it. And she looked over and this man by the name of Paul leaned forward with a big his jaw dropped and God told him that I was the one mighty and strong, the second witness of the father. And it just blew his mind because I kept telling him who I was and uh, he wasn't sure, but he still listened. And God revealed it to him that I was exactly who he, who I say that I am. And he couldn't believe it. And... um. Let's see here. Anyway, I I just want to get back into the reading. I don't know why I needed to talk about all of that, but... Um, we're on page 257. Hold on here. Anyway, but yeah, when God raises up a true prophet, he uh, Satan always raises up prophets that seem very close to the truth and they will teach you so many true things... But they will lead you astray in in key points of doctrine, like these individuals who continue to proclaim that the Melchizedek Priesthood was taken off the earth, even though that's not at all what section 124 says. And you can't even read that into it unless you're being deceived or being deceitful. And they do this because they're trying to get for themselves followers. Now... The LDS Church has the son of perdition who sits at the head and, and sits in the temple of God, as spoken of in 2 Thessalonians, who is a son of perdition as well. So the masses of people are being led astray, and then you've got these false prophets who are trying to get up power and authority for themselves by gaining followers, and they are being raised up by Satan to be Judas goats for those who are coming out of the Church of the Son of Perdition um, and trying to repent, Satan is basically putting out Judas goats to gather them up as well. So it's only a very small residue that, that remains uh, that is actually going to be the ones that are going to redeem Zion and be obedient to what God has asked us to do. The prophet Joseph Smith explained that these false prophets always arise when God sends true prophets. Quote, when a man goes about prophesying and commands men to obey his teachings, he must either be a true or false prophet. False prophets always arise to oppose the true prophets and they will prophesy so very near the truth that they will deceive almost the very chosen ones teachings of the prophet joseph smith page 365. whenever god establishes the gospel among men the devil is there to set up a competition also whenever the church is established the devil seeks to get into it and and take over the uppermost seats and when this happens certain f- fruits are manifest indicating the house is out of order such as the leaders lose their prophetic ability to foretell the future, the Urim and Thummim are absent, the seer stones aren't used, and the spirit of of genuine constant revelation is gone. Number two, the spiritual gifts promised to the saints are gone, visions, dreams, angelic visitations, speaking in tongues and many other gifts, and miraculous powers disappear. Now they can be among uh, some of the uh, the chosen, the elected within the church, but the leadership, they don't have these manifestations. They don't have these dreams and visions. You don't hear about the prophecies of the Lord coming through them anymore because they are prophet seers, and revelators that don't have the pr- the fruits of being prophet seers, and revelators. Number three, principles of the gospel are changed, discontinued, or even opposed. Number three, principles of the gospel are changed, discontinued, or even opposed. For example, leaders and members alike are not concerned with the United Orders or the law of consecration, but they labor with the Gentiles for money and soon become like them because they're the drunkards of Ephraim. And also, it says here that principles and doctrines are changed. Now, the church will teach you that the prophet cannot lead you astray, but Brigham Young was the leader of the church from, what, 1844, 1845 until 1877, and he taught the Adam-God doctrine, he taught blood atonement, he taught plural celestial marriage, he taught that the priesthood uh, should not be given to the house of Cain, which Zechariah chapter 14 also speaks of that. In the millennium, there will be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord because they shouldn't even be in the temple. Now, according to the modern church, Brigham Young led the church in seven deadly heresies. Now, if he can't lead them astray, like they say they can't lead you astray, then how could he lead you astray? It, it, it doesn't work. Either Brigham Young couldn't lead them astray in everything that he taught, the Adam-God doctrine, blood atonement, plural celestial marriage, all of that is true, or the people today can lead you astray because they say that he led them, the people astray, if you get what I mean. You can't have it both ways. And they do change the gospel and the ordinances and the doctrine. Like, for instance, Ether chapter 3, Ray Moriankamur, the brother of Jared, sees Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ says, this is my spirit body. This is what I'll look like when I come in the flesh and the meriting of time. And never at any time have I showed myself unto man. Now, that was after the flood. The the brother of Jared was after after Noah and after the flood. But the antediluvian people, many times and many people, Adam, Methuselah, Enoch, Enoch walked with Jehovah face to face. But Jesus in Ether chapter 3 says this is the first time I've ever appeared to man. Now, the LDS Church once taught in the beginning of the restoration that Jesus was the grandson of Jehovah. But now people want to say that Jesus and Jehovah are the same person, even though that contradicts Ether chapter 3, where Jesus says, I've never appeared to man before in the flesh. But we know that he appeared to Adam and to Methuselah and to Enoch and to many other people before the flood before the brother of Jared was even ever alive on the earth. But the LDS Church will teach you that Jesus and Jehovah are the same person. That's a change of the doctrine. And that doctrine began to be changed shortly after the death of Brigham Young in the 1880s. Now Brigham Young died in 1877, so in the 1880s that doctrine started creeping up. And by the 1920s, James E. Talmadge solidified it in his book, Jesus the Christ. And now the LDS Church will teach you that Jesus and Jehovah are the same person, even though before that, in the days of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, they would teach you that Jehovah and Jesus are not the same person. Anyway, we're on page 258. 4. The whole house of the Lord takes on the conditions, the likeness, and the customs of the rest of the world, That's why they're called the the drunkards of Ephraim, because they're drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great, because they become like Babylon the Great. Now, let me just say that the whore of the whole earth, the reason they're called a whore is because they were the bride of Christ. And instead of being the bride of Christ, they go whoring themselves off after another god, which is Babylon the Great. It's the church who becomes the whore of the whole earth. The Catholic Church did it. The early Christians, when they went whoring themselves off after the Roman Empire and the worldly ways of the the, the ways of the world, they became the whore of the whole earth. They mingled themselves with with the world and with paganism, and you've got all these false traditions that come from apostate Christianity because they became they were the bride of christ and they became the whore of the whole earth and that's the apostasy that is spoken of and the lds church when they are the bride of christ and they go whoring themselves off after the ways of this world and become the drunkards of ephraim they become the whore of the whole earth the whole house of the lord takes on the conditions likeness and customs of the rest of the world added to all this is the horrible influx of immorality lack of spirituality general acceptance of the ways of babel and the great jesus said that the said that in the last days many false prophets shall rise up and shall deceive many matthew chapter 24 verse 11 but the people who are following who are following the false prophets. They think that the the true that the prophets that they're following, or the teachers, the ministers, the pastors that they're following, are not false. They they believe that they're true, but they're not. Jesus said that many false Christs and false prophets. If it were possible, shall deceive the very elect. Matthew chapter 24, 24, verse 24. Now, Christ in Greek means the anointed ones. These are the anointed ones who are anointed in the temple of God, who are who you would call the Lord's anointed. But they are falsely anointed. They are not who they say that they are. And that is, that is the false Christ. They're not run, people running around saying that they are Jesus Christ. They are people who are telling you that they are the Lord's anointed, that they are the prophets, seers, and revelators of God, even though they teach you ways of Babylon the Great. And they they uh, they say that the restoration that God did is not important and we don't need to follow those things anymore. And they tell you, A whole bunch of stuff that you shouldn't do. Isaiah warned the house of Ephraim because of their crown of pride and because they were out of the way that they did err in vision and they did stumble in judgment. Isaiah chapter 28 verses 3 through 9. Because of their wickedness, the Lord would have to send one mighty and strong, which would, as a tempest of hell and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, And that he shall cast down to the earth with the hand, the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 1 through 3. According to the revelation to Joseph Smith, this one mighty and strong was yet to come. It was revealed that, quote, and it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong holding the scepter of power in his hand, which means God gave him the keys of the kingdom by the laying on of hands, which did happen in 2003. And he shall be clothed with light for a covering because this one mighty and strong teaches truth. He is a bearer of light and truth. Whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, well, his bow shall be a fountain of truth to set in order the house of God, and to arrange by lots the, uh, the uh, by lot the inheritance of the saints who who are found in the names of their fathers and their children enrolled in the book of the law of God. Now, let me just tell you. According to Isaiah chapter 28, he does this by teaching the drunkards of Ephraim who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. People who are ready to hear the truth and they realize that that there's something wrong. They stop making excuses for the false prophet, for the son of prediction who sits in the house of God. And they want to be obedient and they want to learn and they they find out what the truth is. And over a period of time, they come out of their strong delusion. And the strong delusion is that they believe a lie that they all might be damned because they did not love the truth. People who do not love the truth make excuses as to why the truth doesn't have to be true today. Oh, that's for a different people. We don't have to worry about doing that. Zion's redemption isn't for now, it's for later. And it is for later, but we have to be obedient to God's laws now in order to become part of Zion's redemption. We're on page 259 of the United Order at 31%. And I think we're going to have to do two parts to this program today because... I, I usually I've been reading these things and I've not been given a lot of commentary, but this is the point where commentary is important. While that man who was called of God and appointed, so that's the son of perdition, this is in the house of God, Second Thessalonians chapter two. He puts forth his hand to study the ark of God. He shall fall by the shaft of death like as a tree that is smitten by the vivid shaft of lightning. Because he doesn't have the authority to study the ark. See, you can know everything that you're supposed to do. You can all of it. But you cannot set the house of God in order. It takes one who is mighty and strong to do that. And the reason why not just anybody can set the house of God in order is because in the restoration, Joseph Smith was sealed up and he received his calling and election which meant that he was sealed to the Father and to the Son. Through the law of adoption, you could be sealed to him, and that created a link between men on the earth, men and women on the earth, the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. That is from mortality to immortality, from earth to heaven. Joseph Smith was that link on the earth that connected them that was the law of adoption and that was done away with in uh, the 1890s by Wilfred Woodruff who because of his falling away from the truth received strong delusion and he did away with things like the law of adoption because of iniquity among the saints and because uh, a breaking of priesthood chains which I won't get into right now God had to call one who was mighty and strong from the council of the 12 who are mighty and strong to become the witness of the father, the second witness of the father, Jesus Christ being the first. And in 2003, when the father laid his hands upon my head, I was sealed up to the father and became that link like Joseph Smith was in his day. And it is through knowledge that the house of God is set in order, but also through the sealing link. And when it's talked about the one man doctrine, never on, uh, never, but on one time, you know, one person, basically. Joseph Smith was that for his day. And I am that for today. And I am the last witness of the father, uh, the last prophet. So The Davidic servant, the Messiah Ben Joseph. And I'm among the drunkards of Ephraim at this time. While that man who was called of God and appointed that putteth forth his hand to steady the ark of God shall fall by the by the shaft of death, like a tree that is smitten by the, the vivid shaft of lightning. See you had to be you had to have authority to to even touch the ark or to study the ark and if you touched the ark and you didn't have authority you would die well you have to have authority to set the house of god in order and even though god does choose his stewards to be over the church one becomes a son of perdition and he tries to study the ark and god will not allow that and all they, who are not found written in the book of remembrance, shall find none inheritance in that day, but they shall be cut asunder, and their portion shall be appointed them among the unbelievers, where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. These people think that they're doing God a service, they think that they're being obedient, they think they're in the club of the one true church, and they're cut off because of their wickedness, because they do not obey God's commandments and they make excuses as to why things are not important anymore and they change the ordinances and they change the doctrines and they fall away these things I say not of myself therefore after the Lord speaketh he will also fulfill and that's doctrine and Covenants section 85 verses 7 through 10 and that was given in 1832 by the prophet Joseph Smith That's section 85. If you want to go read it, take a look at it. Since the house of God must be set in order, it is obvious that it would first be out of order. The Lord warned this people that such a thing would occur in this dispensation. And he said that it would be because liars and hypocrites shall be proven by them, which are the inhabitants of Zion. And they who are not apostles and prophets shall be known. And even the bishop, who's the bishop of the whole church, who is a judge and his counselors, if they are not faithful in their stewardships, they shall be condemned and others shall be planted in their stead. That's Doctrine and Covenants section 64 verses 39 through 40. Brigham Young, appointed his, or Brigham Young pointed his finger at the saints and said, do, you, do the Latter-day Saints live according to the light that has been exhibited to them? No, they do not. Journal of Discourses, Volume 12, page 66. And conditions are worse today than they were in his day. The Lord foretold of the time when the people of the church would fall into bondage, when he said, Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Wherefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel in the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. And that is Doctrine and Covenants section 103 verses 15 through 18. Now, there's a typo here, it says 163, but... It's 103. So, also, in these revelations, um, there were revelations that were spliced together. And you have to have discernment to know where one revelation ends and the other one begins. Because Joseph Smith is not the servant of the vineyard who would set the house of God in order. I know that's being taught by these Judas goats today, but he is not the individual that will set the house of God in order. Now, Joseph Smith was among the council of the 12 who were called mighty and strong before the foundation of this earth. But he's not who you think he is. So Orson Pratt believed that man was Joseph Smith who would be likened to Moses and would fulfill that mission even after his death. And he said... and this is just, it goes against, um, Joseph Smith taught that uh, a resurrected being cannot do the work of God on the earth. So, and he gave Paul, speaking to Jesus, and Jesus telling him to go to Ananias, because Ananias had the priesthood on the earth, and that it is for the priesthood on the earth to do the work of God, not for resurrected beings. So, Jesus couldn't baptize him, he Paul had to go to Ananias to do that because Ananias had the priesthood on the earth. But we'll listen to Orson Pratt because I'm going to read this book even if I don't agree with it. Orson Pratt believed that Joseph Smith was the man likened to Moses who would fulfill that mission even after his death. But we still were in hopes that he Speaking of Joseph Smith would be the man who, like Moses, would lead this people from bondage. I do not know, but he will yet. God's arm is not shortened that he cannot raise him even from the tomb. Journal of Discourses, volume 15, page 363. Now, what people don't understand is that Joseph Smith was the Elias of this last dispensation. And that Joseph Smith said that Elijah must still come, that he, in a future dispensation. Now everybody's like, well, this is the last dispensation, but they don't realize this is the last dispensation, major dispensation over the celestial earth. But in the millennium, there'll be dispensations within the terrestrial earth. This isn't the last dispensation, Not the way you think it is. Joseph Smith was an Elias, like John the Baptist, to lay down the foundation for the redemption of Zion so that God the witness could come and redeem it. And Joseph Smith is not God the witness. And they were working on the the light that they had at the time, but God had not revealed to them everything that would happen. And Joseph Smith may have known it, but he was not allowed to say everything that he knew. Just like Nephi was not allowed to give the revelation that John was, was to give, which we have in the book of Revelation. Nephi saw it, but Nephi couldn't really talk about it. Joseph Smith knew it, But he couldn't really talk about it because God reserves certain mysteries for certain people to reveal. Okay, I just had to pause things and go uh, get my kids up because the – well, I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, they had to get up it's actually 30 a.m. on October 3rd, which is Sunday morning. So I usually get up. Um, if I don't work on Saturday nights, I usually get up pretty early in the morning. And I have to do the recording for tomorrow's show, which will be aired October 4th at 6 in the morning. So in the, uh, let's see here. Well, I'll just read from this point. In 1868, Orson Pratt mentioned this one mighty and strong who would yet come and the principle of consecration that must be obeyed by the chosen people before they would redeem Zion. To redeem Zion means to reclaim something that has been lost. For thus saith the Lord God in one of the new revelations which he has given them according to the history of Joseph the prophet. Behold, I will send one mighty and strong, clothed with light as a a garment, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, and whose bowels shall be a fountain of truth, who shall divide to the saints their inheritance." He will, se- he will send one ordained to this purpose to fulfill this particular duty that the saints may receive their inheritance after they have consecrated everything in their possession. Then we can build up a city that will be a city of perfection, the perfection of beauty, which is talked about in in isaiah chapter 28 and other places in isaiah or talks about the remnant being led in the highways at the top of the mountains and in the desert places that god would redeem zion in the desert not in independence missouri which is not a desert um the geological indicators for for where zion would be taken to in the wilderness don't even match independence missouri because the people were led into the wilderness because of their disobedience and they would have to be uh there would have to be a residue of the people who would be led by the one mighty and strong of the davidic servant in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places and it will be in the desert the zion is born away from the destructions that are happening in the world and it'll be a very very small people that will actually redeem zion at first parley p pratt received a revelation that joseph smith would yet stand in the flesh to finish his mission on the earth and this contradicts former revelation because once a person is resurrected they can no longer they can no longer do the heavy lifting that a man uh, called in the flesh has to do They can assist in the work, like Peter, James, and John assisted in the restoration with Joseph Smith and Oliver, but they can't do the heavy lifting that Joseph Smith and Oliver had to do. So Joseph Smith, being no longer in mortality, can assist in the work, but he cannot do the heavy lifting. Anyway, here's the revelation that Parley P. Pratt received, which, by the way, would have been after the rejection. Uh, after Nauvoo and all of that of a sudden the spirit of God came upon me and filled my heart with joy and gladness indescribable and while the spirit of revelation glowed in my bosom with as visible a warmth and gladness as if it were fire the spirit said unto me lift up your head and rejoice for behold It is well with my servant Joseph and Hiram. My servant Joseph still holds the keys of my kingdom in this dispensation, and he shall stand in due time upon the earth in the flesh, and fulfill that to which he is appointed. Autobiography of Parley P. Pratt, page 333. The Apostle Pratt received this message a second time to confirm the validity of that revelation. In in the message of the First Presidency in 1907, President Joseph F. Smith and his counselors concluded that a time will yet come when good men will be put into office and appoint the law of the church, just as Edward Partridge was called and accepted, and just as the one mighty and strong will be called and accepted when the time comes for his service." And that can be found in the Improvement Era, Volume 10, page 943, and we're on page 262 at 46%. Um, And all of the prophets with all of the keys are going to be standing upon the earth in the flesh in the last dispensation during Adam and Undiamen. Um, There's a bunch of people who believe that Joseph Smith is God the witness, but it's interesting that in section 130, Jesus Christ tells Joseph Smith that the Father and the Son have bodies of flesh, and the Spirit or God the witness, or the Holy Ghost is a spirit. At that time, he was, but Joseph is standing in the flesh on the earth, which means that Joseph is not God the witness or the Holy Spirit, as many of the fundamentalists want to say. Also in Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, Joseph Smith is receiving a revelation from an individual who is God, but this individual says, And the time will come that you shall see my face and know that I am. Well, Joseph Smith had already seen the Father and the Son. This was God the witness who had not appeared yet at that time to Joseph Smith. And this God the witness giving this revelation to Joseph Smith in Doctrine and Covenants section 45 is saying, the time will come when you shall see my face and know that I am. But Joseph Smith had already seen the father and the son. This is God the witness speaking to Joseph Smith, which is further testimony to the fact that God the witness and Joseph Smith are not the same person, even though some people believe that he is. Also, Joseph Smith taught that God the witness still needed to take a body and come do the same or similar things as, as Jesus did. That he had not yet come in the flesh. But for some reason, the fundamentalists want to believe that... And Phil Davis and others believe that Joseph Smith is God the witness and he he's going to come back and he's going to do all the things. Now keys that are given out in all dispensations of time are not given back to the father who is the ancient of days or god the creator who we know as michael who became adam at adam and on diamond until adam and on diamond happens and then once adam and on diamond happens and all of the prophets give their keys back to the father who is the head of all dispensations he delivers them over to his son, so Joseph Smith will have those keys until that time. When Apostle Orson Pratt divided the Doctrine and Covenants into chapters and verses with footnotes in the 1897 or in 1879, uh, he made a footnote for this verse, which read, "A future messenger promised," and he's talking about the one mighty and strong. This has been deleted from all editions of the Doctrine and Covenants since 1921. uh, And that was under the reign of Heber J. Grant. Also in 1873, he said he believed that God would raise Joseph Smith up from the tomb to lead this people out of bondage. Journal of Discourses, Volume 15, page 363. But that is not correct. He can say it all he wants, but it's incorrect. So, and what does the one mighty and strong or the second witness of the Father, what does he do? What he, so Jesus Christ being the fir- first witness of the Father, his job was to lead the people out of the bondage of sin and death. And he did that through his sacrifice in the Garden of Gethsemane and upon the cross, breaking the bands of death going down into Sheol, or into what we call hell, and opening the gates, he led the people who believed in him out of the bondage of death and hell. But the second witness of the Father will lead the people out of the bondage of Babylon the Great that they find themselves entangled with, which Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 28. Since conditions are even worse today than they were in the days of Edward Partridge, it is obvious that the one mighty and strong is needed more now than ever. Therefore, we should be aware of certain events surrounding his coming. Number one, the one holding a scepter of power and clothed with light for a covering will be an immortal being. That is not true jesus christ himself was clothed with light for a covering and he had a scepter of power and he was not an immortal being see ogden kraut believed that joseph smith was the one mighty and strong, and he also believed that joseph smith is god the witness but like i've said doctrine and covenant section 45 god the witness is given a revelation to joseph smith and and he says and the day will come when ye shall see my face and know that I am. But Jesus, Joseph Smith actually had already seen the Father and the Son. This is not the Father and the Son speaking to him. This is God the witness. And in Doctrine and Covenants section 130, God the Father and God the Son are said to have had bodies of, of flesh, but the Spirit or the Holy Ghost at that time was a spirit but Joseph Smith was in the flesh. He was not God the witness. And Joseph Smith taught that God the witness would come, that it was important for him to take a body, to come to do the same or similar events that Jesus did. Yeah, and that's true. God the witness has to have a body at some point. And that point is today, and that prophecy was fulfilled. But these fundamentalists want to twist these things around because they have a, a certain amount of light and they're trying to make everything fit into the light that they have so but but Jesus Christ in his mortality was clothed with light for a covering and some people saw that light some people have seen the light of God the witness as he speaks to them in the flesh and they see light around him And it's spiritual light and not everybody sees it. In fact, some people that I have spoke to, like for one instance, I was up near Boise, Idaho at a Flying J truck stop. Um, I can't remember what town it was in, but I was talking to three different individuals in this truck stop in the driver's lounge. And I was just preaching to them. And one person out of the three saw light all around me. And the other two did not see the light. But they felt the spirit really strong. And I cannot control who sees that light. It's a spiritual light. And sometimes people's eyes are opened up to it. And sometimes people don't see it. I can feel it when it's upon me. But I don't say anything. Because I don't know when people can see it. But there have been many who have seen it. Although people who do see it they not all. They don't always I don't know what God's going to do with these people but like you know it's a really spiritual experience for them they're very thankful and then they go and they do whatever they do and I never see them again anyway number two the one who is called of God and put forth his hand to steady the ark of God will be smitten so that is the son of perdition that sits in the temple of God Above all that is called of God, and a son of perdition is a is a is a prophet who becomes a son of perdition and he falls. and and according to second Thessalonians chapter two, this man who is called of God and appointed will sit above all that is called God in the temple of God, and he is the son of Perdition. That is the one who will be uh, destroyed. At some point, he sits in your temples. Number two, or wait, number three, the one mighty and strong will then set in order the house of God. And how does he do that? According to Isaiah chapter 28, he teaches they who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, and he goes among all the drunkards of Ephraim to do that. Number four, he will arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints. That is part of the united order. That he has keys and ability to do the things which God has asked him to do. Number five, those that are the high priesthood, whose names are not found written in the book of the law, and those who do not receive an inheritance shall be cut asunder. And we're at... 51 percent on page 263 and um, i might be able to get into the rest of this later but we're only 50 percent it's been over an hour so i've got to do a part two of the recording so i might just do this uh, a part two tomorrow i'm not sure we'll know i'll i'll figure it out and uh anyway but if i don't come back on today thank you for listening to the program Okay, a lot has happened since I was able to get back to this recording, and uh, basically I had to go into work early, and I wasn't able to take a nap after church on Sunday. So I am just going to have to do two parts to this chapter, and hopefully I can get the next part out on Tuesday, the 5th of October. And uh, we'll just be done with the program for today. So thank you for listening, everyone. I will be posting this in my different groups on Facebook and my different pages. Uh, You can find my main Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. Thank you for listening and thank you for being patient with me as I am not able to finish the rest of this recording for today. But uh, I'll try to get back on it tomorrow or, well, after I sleep today. And then I'll try to post it uh, tomorrow for tomorrow's program. So thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless and, go- and goodbye.